0: Hello and welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. My name is Dr Caroline Walker and I am the Joyful Doctor. Uh, I have a real passion for helping doctors to live happier lives full of reward and meaning. And that's why I really wanted to bring you this podcast. Each episode is going to be an interview with an amazing doctor that I respect, love, admire and think has some wonderful things to share with you to help you to become an even more joyful doctor than you already are. I've um, really struggled over the years and um, as a doctor and also, you know, I've fallen in and out of love with medicine many, many times and and through it all I just keep coming back to this idea that we should be doing more of what we love. So I hope that through listening to these podcasts, you might be able to connect with what it is that you really love to do and to do more of it. Welcome. Welcome to the Joyful Doctor podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Joyful Doctor Podcast. I'm really excited to be here today at the International Physician Health Conference in London and I have with me today a wonderful guest, uh, Dr Jonathan Mercer. Jonathan is a um, a GP who's uh, been a a GP partner for many years and is now retired and working as a locum GP um, and uh, is here to talk to us today a bit about Um, some of the times that that he's found things a bit harder in his medical career um, and the things that have helped him. Um, Welcome Jonathan.
1: Thank you Caroline, it's very kind of you to ask me to uh, chat.
0: Oh it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, So um, I always start by kind of asking my um, interviewees the same question, Um, what does it mean to you to be a joyful doctor?
1: I think it's a combination of um, satisfaction with the medical scientific side of the job mm-hmm. being intellectually interesting and then in addition to that, particularly in general practice, which is what I've done through my career, um, it's the individual interactions with patients, mm. um, particularly on a one-to-one basis um, and that's different with every patient, they they vary, you know, every patient's obviously different mm. um, and that's one of the most rewarding parts of the job, but I think you've got to try and keep a balance mm. between um, the demands of the job, which can be intense at time at times, and also maintaining that sort of work-life balance, um, mm. looking after yourself to some extent as well.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Which I, helps in being joyful.
0: Yeah, I hear that so much from doctors that that. Um, Actually, it's a really rewarding job, like generally it's really interesting, and but for most doctors it really is that relationship with the patients that's the most rewarding part um, for them. Well, I,
1: I always wanted to be a GP ever since I was at, before I went to, to medical school.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as I um, spent some time with our family GP actually when I was a, at school, he took me around a little bit, oh, did a, like did a work too. experience, yeah. and that sort of confirmed my interest in general practice. Um, and I think it, what appealed to me was that one-to-one interaction with patients mm. um, as people.
0: Mm, mm. Um, Not just kind of problems or diseases or just... But yeah, as a whole and, get, kind and of also getting to know people person. over a
1: period of time as well,
0: mm. which can
1: be rewarding. But that also does uh, lead into one or two of the pressures of the job.
0: Yeah, yeah. What were those for you? What did you most... Um, I think about?
1: it was particularly um, carrying the... Load of perhaps, I'm not sure if expectations is the right word, particularly the chronic illness, um, carrying the the, being in a sense the bearer of people's worries or concerns. Mm. Um, and I found that an issue even when I wasn't at work, trying not to worry about patients, think about patients. Mm On a day to day basis, and sort of feeling in some way, not exactly responsible for how they are, but but feeling that professional duty. Mm. I see that
0: a lot in Mm. in the doctors I I Mm. support, one to one, particularly the GPs, that that it's very hard not to take them home with you sometimes. I
1: think that's been an issue for me through my time. Mm. Um, And that's because any job obviously has pluses and minuses, and there's lots of pluses of being a doctor, which I've alluded to already. and I think the, particularly knowing if you get to know patients and families over a period of time, you can get quite involved in their family circumstances mm. because they, you're privileged to have them confide in you to some extent about issues. Um, and that does lead on to that's you know, when, when patients are grateful for what you do or you, you manage to help them in a significant way, that's one of the best parts of the job, mm. the feeling you've done something really good for someone. Um, but on the negative side, it's that it's that load of perhaps expectations difficult to carry.
0: Yeah, I mean, was it Can you describe a time for us when you perhaps weren't such a, a joyful doctor?
1: The first time I remember actually is the very long hours we used to do as mm. junior doctors. Because I'm I'm now so old that I was pre <laughs> pre rotor system. So we were back in the days of um, having a firm in the hospital, and you were you had two or three colleagues, and you were between you. You covered every night and every weekend on call. So uh, you had a tremendous team spirit but it was obviously quite tiring. Mm, mm. So I I think fatigue and exhaustion fatigue was one of the things um, that was an issue in terms of not being joyful and feeling overwhelmed by Mm. the hours at that point.
2: Mm, mm, mm.
1: Um,
0: And I know I've heard a lot of doctors actually from that who've worked back in that old system sort of lament the loss of that firm way of working because it Although it was exhausting and, and overwhelming and too long, um, it brought with it a sense of um, almost like a collegiate kind of approach, a yeah. of a, a team and a, and a feeling part of belonging to something, yeah, think, not holding uh, it all just on your own. I think so. Own. I think that
1: was yeah it was probably a little bit like I imagine it's probably in the in the armed forces a little bit, and that you were in a very cohesive team mm-hmm. and you spent a lot of a lot of time together. Mm. Um, also
0: def- similar in some ways in the sense of how we're exposed to so much risk and trauma and responsibility yes, and, I think and actually sharing that is so important, isn't it? And I wonder yes. if nowadays a lot of doctors find themselves very professionally mm. isolated and actually that's... I think that's popular. the thing we hear
1: from our GP registrars in the mm. practice, that the road assistant d- and the frequent changing of um, consultants and wards um does lead to them feeling quite isolated and unsupported
2: mm. whereas mm. we
1: we did have a lot of support we were, we were fortunately quite a cohesive team
0: and we mm. were just hearing weren't we in the session mm. just now at the conference from a um a gentleman who's working around sort of memories and how we lay down our traumatic memories and how important it is to have connection to others actually in order to be able to process those memories and not become traumatized by them
1: yes i think that's i think that's uh, a. accumulated thing through your career Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. because when I look at the registrars we have now and the medical students we also have in the practice I'm always the thing that strikes me is they're very keen Mm. and but they don't unfortunately they don't they they're they're quite bouncy they 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 really are very keen and not at all jaded Ah. the word I think I'd use (laughs) whereas I think myself and my older partners of work to some extent probably a little bit more world weary but it's um, interesting
0: you say that because actually I do, I do some work for the practitioner health program as you know mm-hmm. which very excitingly it was announced today is going to go national for all doctors in england which is just fantastic um and yeah it's been a long time coming and a wonderful moment for, for the world of physician health um mm-hmm. But yeah, I do some work with them, and often actually we're now seeing people coming younger and younger, and actually we are now seeing the younger GPs who've only really been doing it a year or two even, Right. who are becoming, but almost more burnt out by the, I think by the workload, and the just relentlessness yeah. of, you know, seeing 40 to 60 patients every day and just, yeah, that, could you, have there been times when that has been um, an, I a think challenge for you? W-
1: yeah, I think, well, if I can just briefly explain what's happened in my career, I've, mm-hmm. I've been a GP partner for 20 years in the same practice. Wow. And it was quite a big decision to leave in March this year. Mm-hmm. But over the last several years, I've actually gradually reduced my sessions I worked during the week
2: mm-hmm.
1: in, a, in a sort of slightly vain bid to deal with this sense of being overwhelmed at times. Yeah. Um, but I still had this problem of carrying the work home with me.
0: I have a theory actually that all GPs uh, should work part time, Mm. or at least the clinical part of their work should be maybe five sessions a week, or six at the most. I think um, it's.
1: I think you're a a better doctor for the patient if you do that because Mm. you're fresher. Mm.
2: Um.
0: And actually, a lot of what I do now, um, and other people working in this field, is to support doctors to to say actually it's okay to have a portfolio career, to do to keep the kind of the really draining stuff. But really rewarding stuff mm. in a kind of manageable amount, and then to to complement your career in other ways. With I think other I think GPs are
1: mode. yeah GPs going to have to go down that road really because with the recruitment issues and mm. things nationally at the moment, um, you know it's not possible to do the job full time really in the long run for the sake of your own health and therefore your ability then to work is compromised, yeah. as well as the rest of your life being affected.
0: Yeah, yeah. You said that you'd had. Um, you spoke about the first time that you had struggled were there other times
1: I think um yes apart from in the hospital work that was more of a a, probably a fatigue type Mm. issue Um, I was fortunate to join a practice where we were a very cohesive partnership and very supportive of each other which really helped and the practice grew throughout the time I was there in terms of patients on patients on the books Um, and we moved to a new larger premises Um, I think it's just, it's been an accumulation really of what I would call slight compassion fatigue, Mm. which is a, which is a, I feel slightly guilty saying that really.
0: That's not an uncommon thing I hear, mm. though, from from doctors, because compassion is something it's so integral to who we are as mm. people, and it's so important to us to care. Mm. And when we stop caring, that can feel so shaming, so difficult. And so I'm really, really grateful to you actually but, for sharing that, because I think there'll be yeah. a lot of doctors listening to this that identify with that sense of it—just that erosion of your compassion over time—and
1: and I think you then it. get into a vicious cycle, which I was perhaps in danger of slipping into at times of feeling guilty about that in terms of patients and colleagues mm. you know, not pulling your weight and then you feel you're not giving people the best care. Mm. I was perpetually running late towards mm. or very late in fact at times.
0: Um, Do you mind sharing how late it would get? Uh, well,
1: my bad day is about an hour and a half.
0: Okay. Which is okay. Um, I mean I sometimes I hear two, three hours, oh, okay. so yeah. But <laughs> I still if
1: I was a patient I wouldn't be very happy about waiting an hour no. and a half, but I know, used the to other always thing I apologize and try and disarm the situation.
0: Yeah, but sometimes the other thing I hear is doctors GP GP's staying late but then not doing all the getting their admin done. So then going home, mm. dealing with the kids or whatever, putting them to bed and then going back in and checking blood results or doing letters yeah. or doing admin or I I used to go to my day
1: off and do my admin. Yeah Uh, or very early in the morning for my dictation but that was just the way I started working
0: and when Um, we start to do this uh, because I can identify with it slightly from my hospital jobs um, it erodes at that I don't know, I certainly felt a sense I was the only one doing this you know. and actually what I'm seeing is it's Mm. a fairly common um, occurrence I think you become
1: less efficient if you get into that because you get into a slightly rabbit in the headlights type situation yes,
0: yes where
1: your efficiency declines
0: yeah And you're kind of going faster and faster and faster to keep up, but actually you just, eventually you can't. um. And then if
1: you do go home before a fairly late hour, you start thinking, have I forgotten to do something? Because you think, oh, I can't have finished...
0: Yeah, by now, yeah, so then that doubt <laughs> and that, and you wanting to check, and yeah, um, so what was kind of helpful to you in this? What, what kind of got um, you because I'm, I'm assuming you're not in that situation now no, well, anymore. I've, no, <laughs> well, fortunately, as
1: a locum, um, I'm in the fortunate position of actually locuming in my old practice, oh,
0: lovely,
1: uh, as and when it suits myself and their needs in terms of study leave and annual leave. So mm-hmm. that's the best of both worlds for me. Um, working in a close partnership helped and the fact that we were able to informally offload on, onto each other at mm-hmm. times. But what we did introduce about three years ago was um, regular supervision for the GPs, oh. in that we, we actually paid monthly for a psychologist to come in and spend a couple of hours with us. Oh, fantastic. Um, that was partly my instigation, but my colleagues thought it was a good plan as well. Yeah. Just to have a sort of uh, kind of more formalised way of... Uh, talking about issues we found perhaps difficult or uncomfortable Mm. Um, and I just on a more general note I really do I do think it's surprising that doctors both hospital and GP don't have supervision because they're dealing with a lot of Mm. emotionally very intense and distressing situations.
0: Absolutely it's certainly incredibly variable I know Mm. as psychiatrists as a psychiatry trainee myself we had uh, you get more supervision and more consistently generally than other specialties do but um, also that lack of um, the sort of clinical supervision and the sort of uh, almost more um, pastoral care type supervision that kind of space, that safe space to talk and share mm. and and um, I know that we've seen great um, results from doctors uh, sort of healing in groups so having a space like you've described where you have somebody come in that facilitates and you can just discuss those difficult cases or the ones that are staying with you for whatever reason um, or perhaps the cases where you're finding your boundaries are being a bit pushed or you know those sorts of things. Yes
1: um, we, we, we used it for a mixture of um, difficult patient situations where perhaps we were feeling unconfident or unsure also how home things were impacting on work mm. um, so it was it was a you yeah, know it was a sort of safe environment for things to be raised within the boundaries of that room yes um.
0: and i would i would say to every doctor out there you know mm. go and ask for this to happen mm. because actually it, often we think it's not possible mm. you know there won't be the time or the money or the but actually if you make people aware that you need this and there's a group of you, you know, make it happen. The other thing I've come across consistently is um, particularly senior doctors at consultants, um, but also GPs actually, who almost form their own uh, peer support groups just informally. So they'll kind of mm. meet up regularly outside of work and maybe once a month or every couple of months. But mm. just, a, again, a space where you can just share and, and be you know, supported. I'm now attending
1: the GP um, locum. Stroke salary GP group locally, which is oh, a monthly thing, oh, which I'm finding also very useful. Yeah. Because uh, people are different age groups and different experiences. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which is good. So it sounds like you found having supportive colleagues and a space to kind of talk and, and think through some of the difficult stuff was, was really, really helpful. Yeah, and
1: I'm, I, I'm pleased to be at this conference today actually to hear about the GP Health Service, particularly mm-hmm. being expanded into as a hospital. Services Mm. as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So that all doctors across England can mm. now self refer to the practitioner health service to get free and confidential mental health advice and support. And yeah, yeah, that's
1: really important because it's destigmatizing the whole issue. And it's good to hear it's being properly funded and expanded.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and amazing that there's what 300 people or something here at this conference yesterday and today, and, and just this overwhelming feeling of um everybody being on the same um, page you know just wanting to help doctors to be able to feel like it's okay to yeah. say that you're struggling and there is support out there and we've been there it's not like an us and them is it it's like we've all been there we're all human we all struggle yeah i think it's day.
1: really important that people know that they can get help or talk to someone mm. so just not to suffer and feel distressed in silence mm. uh, and that's fortunately is is the more opportunities now for that to happen
0: yes yeah so if you had to kind of I don't know one last chance to talk to doctors out there and one thing you'd want to say to them
1: I think I'd say it's a great day. job it's really rewarding it's challenging and hard work um, but if you want to have a long and fulfilling career you must look after yourself as well as the patients so mm. if you are feeling overwhelmed or distress please talk to someone about it because there is help available mm. which will help you to work joyfully and healthily mm. and to give you a satisfying career
0: wonderful wonderful beautifully put and if you um, is there a, I was asked um, my interviews if there's a, a book that you might recommend because uh,
1: I, I was slightly forewarned of this question so <laughs> mine's a bit of an old chestnut really which is um, the Atul Gawande book, Being Mortal, which I think is, although it's written by an American doctor and obviously their medicine is generally more interventionist, particularly in the elderly, I think it just reminds us that technology and treatments aren't always the answer. Mm -hmm. You've got to listen to the patient's concerns and worries and spend time with them human to human Mm -hmm. and that sometimes, or in the end, always there's a point where it's appropriate to stop and just remember that most of all it's the person you're dealing with mm. and they can't they can't um, be treated inappropriately mm. technologically mm. Uh, but to have some dignity.
0: Yeah, actually that really ties in beautifully with what's come up a lot at this conference um, to just this idea that we're human beings, <laughs> that we're vulnerable, that we are um, yeah yeah i think another
1: way what i was trying to say in my thought for other doctors another way of putting it is that we're not teflon coated we are human beings absolutely and we've got fallibilities and limits like everybody else has yeah Um, and actually yeah
0: and being aware of that and being vulnerable can actually be your greatest strength i've found certainly
1: i think if you if you acknowledge your limits Mm. and don't pretend that you're Invincible. Mm. I think you're yes, yeah, so you're a better and safer doctor, mm. and probably a more um, considerate doctor in terms of understanding those patients who who are going to present to you with their own difficulties.
0: Yeah. So this idea that if we can accept and acknowledge our limits, actually, it helps us accept our patients. Uh, I think as well. the patients
1: also, if they know that you're fallible, mm. that helps them relate to you person to person as well, not not yeah. to have you on a pedestal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Jonathan, I could talk to you all day, um, but thank thank you so, so much for coming and uh, speaking on the Joyful Doctor podcast, and hopefully you might come back one day and and share some more of your wisdom with us.
1: Oh, I hope so. If I have (laughs) any further pearls, I'm not sure. sure.
0: I'd love that. (laughs) Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much, Caroline. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Doctor podcast. Uh, really um, excited that you found the podcast and if you've enjoyed it i would love it if you would maybe share it with another doctor that you know that might enjoy it too and get something out of it um, as i say i'm all about trying to help doctors to live happier lives um, if you'd like to um keep abreast of what's happening at Joyful Doctor then do pop over to joyfuldoctor.com and you can follow me on any of the major social media um, sites from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter to LinkedIn. Um, I really hope to connect with some of you soon and please tune in again um, for another episode of the Joyful Doctor
2: podcast.